Okay, it's another episode of 10 Questions, and this time I have with me on the other end, well, depends on who you talk to, how, you, how you'd even pronounce it, Accidental CISO, Accidental CISO, I, I, heck, how, how do you even pronounce it? I, you know, I, I Accidental CISO is, is probably good. Um, <laughs> okay. Whatever, uh, <laughs> whatever you want to say. I've been called a lot worse. Well, I, I know there's been uh, plenty of uh, debate at times um, about how that's pronounced. So uh, I, I, I think I've defaulted in my head to saying CISO a little bit, but, it, but before that debate even came up, I always said CISO in my head. I don't um, think it matters. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, it's just like any any other uh, C-suite title, CEO, CIO, CTO. True. Uh, why, why wouldn't you say CISO? Um, but I, that's yeah, just I my, my own thought process. The, the, I guess it's because the CISO, like we have enough letters and vowels and stuff to actually make it a word. <laughs> and, you know. <laughs> there you go. I noticed the mug. Are you... Uh, are you hiding a little bourbon in the mug there? Yeah, this is just coffee right now. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. And it's still, still a little early in the day to hide bourbon. In the mug. I, I, I don't want to perpetuate stereotypes. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> right. Okay, well, I guess we'll go ahead and get started. Um, and, uh, you know, nice standard little question number one is... What even got you into the tech field in the first place? Um, man, I have, I've always had a computer, um, electronics and that kind of stuff. My, my dad was an electrical engineer when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, he always had gadgets and electronics in the house and ended up in the electronics industry selling like components and parts and that kind of stuff. And just, part of his work, he had these things. So um, it wasn't normal. And, you know, back in the, the, you know, early 80s or whatever, when nobody had computers really, or very few people did, you know, we actually had one. So uh, yeah, I just, I don't remember a time that we didn't have that in the house and that kind of got me into it. And then, you know, from there, you know, cutting my teeth with modems and BBSs and that kind of stuff and on through getting into to Linux and that kind of stuff in the, the mid nineties. And, uh, you know, I think that's really kind of where it started, where I really got hooked on the IT side of things was as I was learning Linux and fighting my way through that. Um, it was a very different time back then, of course, because you didn't have Google and everything. You couldn't just immediately go Google everything. And so I had to compile my own, notes and notebooks and I had three ring binders of of stuff that I had printed out and I'd go to the library and and print stuff and you know because we had the dot matrix printer at home and uh, yeah. the printer at the library was faster so I'd go to the library and print <laughs> stuff a lot and and then take it back and you know so I'd have uh, all that stuff that and I'd buy books you know I had a, there was I think it was just called running Linux was I think one of the first the books that I had and that got me through uh, getting set up and going with Slackware and that sort of thing. And um, yeah, I, I was uh, working at a, I, I started in, you know, non-tech retail 
and ended up at this little hole in the wall computer shop. And from there ended up as a, a sysadmin for a web hosting company. Um, I had taught myself enough about Linux and web hosting and the internet and DNS and all that kind of stuff. So they they brought me in. I think it was like $10 an hour or something as a teenager. It's uh, good as a teenager. As a sysadmin for a web hosting company. I mean, it paid better than the, the uh, you know, regular retail job. I think it was at like $6 an hour. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just as the, you know, stock and shelves and ring and cash registers and that kind of stuff. Uh, but hey, yeah, I remember making five seventy five an hour whenever I got one of my first jobs. Got me into it, and you know, started learning. I, I fought my way through from there. Did some help desk stuff and moved on up. Uh, yeah, a lot of help desk, a lot of support, a lot of sysadmin stuff and you know security of course is all part of that uh, ended up doing it for a, a, a startup that was in the the security space and that kind of then took me on that other trajectory through you know an acquisition and some other stuff and i don't know it's been <laughs> one hell of a ride actually that uh i'll just kind of started from my hobby of screwing around with linux one day it's like you know i'm gonna teach myself this okay okay Oh, with your dad being an electrical engineer, did did you have a, a lot of stuff around the house that you would take apart? And, oh uh, God, yes. You try try to figure out how this things is... worked, or, or at least take apart um, just for taking apart. <laughs> uh, my dad hated it. Um, there were many times when I would take something apart and be in over my head and I couldn't put it back together and would put things like can openers and things on his desk in a cardboard box because I, I disassembled it and it, I couldn't put it back together and I needed <laughs> him to bail my butt out to, to put things back together. And eventually I got, I got better at it. And my dad does the same thing. You know, I, I remember my mom asking him one time about, you know, why, why, why is it the first thing you do when you buy a new toy or whatever is, take it apart and, you know he's like well because if i don't take it apart now when it's working how am i going to know what it's supposed to you know when it breaks what it's supposed to look like to fix it and that's kind of made a lot of sense to me yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so you know i'm i'm very much the same way uh like to pick at things and you know i guess that's that you know maker hacker whatever mindset that a lot of us have that we just want to figure out how to how to use things how to make it do what we want them to do did, did your dad ever divulge into Tim the Toolman Taylor areas and try to suit yeah. things up? Yeah, he's he's super good at that too. Um, you know, it's, <laughs> uh, he's got one of every tool known to man. Like, I, I don't have all of the tools, mostly just because there's no need for me to buy them. Because if I need one, I can just borrow from <laughs> him or whatever. And uh, you know, you name it from power tools to hand tools and, you know, wood shop to welding and everything in between. So, uh, it's nice having access to all of that stuff and not actually have to, to buy it. And he likes building and that kind of stuff. And, uh, so we do home improvement projects around the house. You know, he, I remember him saying <laughs> one day about, you know, I love doing these projects when I'm not the one that's got to pay for them. So <laughs> we, uh, so I find home improvement projects here and he brings over his tools and, you know, we put around at my house and I foot the bill and he gets to play with his tools. So, there you go. Um, yeah, I don't know. He and, he and I are a lot alike. And, you know, if I'm not, 
if I weren't burning with, you know, dealing with this burnout kind of situation that I'm still trying to recover from, there's a lot of things that I'd be working on and building and making and whatnot. So yeah, we'll get back to yeah. it. Yeah, if I, I, I would definitely feel you on that. No, I, I, I tell you what, the whole taking things apart. I, I as a kid, um, my, uh, I grew up as a pastor's kids, uh, and uh, okay. what, what, one of the churches that um, that uh, my dad was at, there was the uh, custodian there. He would, would uh, find like old projectors that never got used anymore or anything. And he knew that I liked to take stuff apart and figure out how things worked. And um, one of those projectors, one day I had taken, had taken it apart at some level. And then I decided, hey, I'm gonna plug this in. And I don't even know what I was thinking, but all I know is I plugged it in, I turned it on and I had a screwdriver and I got near one of the circuits within it uh, close enough that it had a little bit of an arc. It's like, whoa. <laughs> and I quickly unplugged you. it from the wall and I said, okay, I'm not doing that again. It'll get you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah that, 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 that could be uh, fun taking things apart. That could be dangerous taking things apart. Yeah. I, I do remember when one time my dad did warn me uh, when I was younger and he realized that I, I was just, I'm just going to do these things. And, you know, there, there was nothing really they were going to do about, do about that kind of stuff. He warned me about like televisions and things, yeah. uh, you know, cause back then the, the big CRT tube style TVs, I mean, those have big honking capacitors in them mm -hmm. that, you know, even when they've been unplugged for a while, there is still a lot of charge in them and you can really get lit up on those. So I remember him warning me about TVs and being like, like, it, even if it's unplugged, like you probably don't want to get into those. They look really interesting, but just stay out of <laughs> televisions because they'll bite you and <laughs> they'll bite you hard. Yeah. Uh, so. Okay. Well, um, okay. So you, that's, that's getting into tech. Yeah. Um, Are you trying to stay out of tech? Can... Is that what you try to do? Yeah. Yeah. Um, is, and uh, you've you've told the story a little bit on Twitter about how it ventured into uh, it, it ventured into doing security, mm -hmm. um, but uh, I, I, I guess a good question would be: is more uh, what, what was the tipping point where uh, where an actual decision was made that oh you're actually going to be in charge of all this stuff and not just that you were doing it because you could. Um, it happened the moment that I asked who was in charge of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it got to a point, I was working on all the audit documentation and everything else and, and everything I had to do. And I, I finally went to my leadership and I'm like, all right, I you know need to know who to put in as as this, you know, who, who's our security officer? And, uh, well, they, and they looked at me straight in the face and well, well, that's you. And I wove a little bit of a tapestry of profanity at that point. I, <laughs> I try not to swear at the office a whole lot. Um, I don't swear on Twitter a whole lot. I, I actually do in real life for uh, folks that have met me probably know that. Um, 
but I, I try not to do it at the office. And and when they told me that, like, my, I think the very first word out of my mouth was <laughs> the F word. And, uh, you know, right there in front of the other executives. And uh, yeah, so uh, it just kind of hung my head for a minute. It's like, well, okay, then <laughs> I went back to doing what I had to do. And uh told the uh the consultant that was that was working with us on uh on the audit uh basically kind of how it went down and they just kind of laughed and said yeah this is not the first time we've heard that happen uh, so there's a little bit of uh I've, i get so many folks on on twitter that will dm me um like just literally asking like are, are you me like i'm going through this exact same stuff or or saying i swear you work at, at my company and i have to tell them no it's that's not <laughs> me but like there's there's this little like I've, I've realized like i am everybody or everybody is me or something in all of this like there's this common thread of of just frustration and misunderstanding of security uh, i spend so much energy managing up and just trying to explain to my own leadership what my job is <laughs> constantly yeah. like it it's really kind of funny they they want me to to run security and keep things secure and that kind of stuff but they have no idea what it entails and anytime they that i ask for something they i, I then have to spend a bunch of energy and time just trying to justify and explain to them what my job is and why this is all part of my job and why we should even need this stuff in the first place not is this the right technology to choose just should we even do x exactly, <laughs> um, exactly. that sort of thing so yeah yeah i, I it's, it's, it's some, some of the discussions i've ended up in at work we it we ended up uh, getting acquired and uh you know the the uh, the new overlords, as I always refer to them as on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, they're they're absolutely they're they're absolutely you know right in there. Hey, you know there's there's compliance. We need to maintain compliance and everything. But every time we get into discussions about how exactly compliance has to be maintained, um, you know that's that that's that's a whole nother thing. Mm -hmm. uh, the the, the, the last conversation I had with uh, with my boss about something, um, I, I kept on trying to push going in one direction, um, but I made the comment at one point. It's like, well, I mean, I, I I could make a case for this other direction that you're trying to go. I, I could I could make a written case for it. And he's like, okay, if you could if you could make a case for it, then that then that's what we're sticking with. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I wish I hadn't even made that comment. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. And at the end of the day, too, you know, that it's easy to think that companies are made of money. I mean, because we, you know, from our, our personal finances side of things, like it seems like companies have a lot of money, but they're not just made of, of money. I mean, there's there's budgets and margins and that kind of stuff to be paid attention to. And, you know, it's it's not just an endless pool of, of resources and, you know, spending a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars or $10,000 or whatever, depending on the company, you know, here I'm working in, you know, 50 person startup mm -hmm. and, you know, we've got, we've got some venture funding, but it's not a huge amount of venture funding as these things go. And so I fully uh, understand when they come back and they're just like, you know, we just, we just can't pay for this 
GRC yeah. tool. And, you know, we just, we just can't pay for whatever it is that I'm asking for necessarily, especially the expensive stuff, you know, things that are going to be 40, 60, $80,000, whatever, you know, I, I have to really look at what I'm, what I'm asking for. And is this the right thing for the business? And, um, it's, it's been difficult for me because I've been, I haven't had as much visibility into what's going on, on the business side as I would, I would like. And it, so it makes mm -hmm. it difficult for me to help them make decisions when I am not, uh, sitting at the table. You know, we talk about the lot, uh, talk about that a lot in the industry is that, you know, CISOs are finally getting a seat at the table and I haven't had that luxury myself. Um, we're a small company, so I get I can talk to the the you know CFO and the CEO and those guys, but it's not one of those situations where you know I'm in all of the senior executive meetings and and that kind of stuff constantly. Um, right. So there's a lot of context that I don't necessarily have that makes it difficult for me to make recommendations on things, uh, and also the fact that you know I'm I'm short staffed, so I'm in the weeds as well, you know, doing the work as well as just trying to, to do the strategy and the planning and the budgeting and all of that stuff. And, and that, that context switching as well between, you know, switching back and forth between leadership and individual contributor um, mm -hmm. is, is kind of exhausting as well. And I, you know, I make more work for myself at the end of the day, you know, I yeah. put on my leadership hat and think all these things we should do. And then I got to turn around and do them. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so there's a conflict of interest there, you know, it, <laughs> but well, let, let, let yeah. me ask you this question. Do, do, do they at least give you a budget? Um, you know, we have never had formal budgets. Uh, this is going to be the first year where we actually have, have budgets assigned per department. Mm -hmm. uh, so this coming year we will, it's been a very slow process. And I, I've, I've kind of griped about that a bit on Twitter about how long it's been taking yeah. uh, to get through this. And, you know, here I was ready to start talking about budgets and stuff uh, midsummer and uh, just, you know, kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And, and, you know, finally they were ready to do budgets and then it ended up being this whole whirlwind process. And I, you know, here we are uh, first week of January is done and I still haven't seen the final budget of, of what, you know, I've had my chance to argue and that kind of stuff for things that they wanted to push back on and still waiting to see what I, what I ended up with. And once I see what I ended up with, you know, I may look at, you know, how do I maybe cut some corners and things that I planned to try and get some things that had been cut that I really didn't want to see cut done and whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I well, I, I feel that pain, Ned, but you're one step ahead of me there. The overlords have not uh, have not seen fit to ever yeah. say, "Hey, here's your budget for anything." Yeah. Now, in their in their defense, though, when we didn't have budgets, there's never been a time when I've gone to them and they haven't been supportive of what we're doing, and yeah. you know, go say, "Hey, we need money for whatever." And the CFO has always been good at being able to come up with the money if it's something we actually you know really needed to do. Yeah. Um, you know, they might ask some questions about us. Do we really need need to do this but uh, yeah the the one thing that they that my leadership you know being being a startup the folks that i have ahead of me aren't um you know aren't, aren't my ceo for instance like he's really charismatic guy he's mm -hmm. really smart um 
a lot of energy, great vision, but he's not a career CISO. You know, he's founder. He's not yeah. a career CISO. And so these guys that are ahead of me in a lot of ways, um, they don't have a business background or anything. And, you know, so when they look at, at spending within the, the, the business, I mean, the, you have to look at the organization as a system. And every decision you make is going to have opportunity cost attached to it and everything else. So the the you know the the top line number so to speak of the expense that you're paying, you know, one thing versus another, by the time you look at the total cost of what it's going to to be to buy it, to deploy it, to operate it, and then you know, if it's really not the right tool and it's going to be something that introduces inefficiency across other departments, now all of a sudden that cost has to be factored in as well. So when you're not used to thinking of the company as a system, mm -hmm. um, just simply looking at, at top line cost, uh, you know, or line item cost on the budget, it's deceptive because a lot of the other costs associated with one choice over another are very likely going to be hidden in other budgets in the right. company. And those other budgets are typically headcount, man, you know, the manpower to, to do those things when you don't have the right tools in place or, you know, what have you. Um, so I, I fight that a lot. The, the, I don't think about the opportunity costs and, and the, the cascading uh, effects of, of those decisions and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, we're, we're getting there. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Well, officially getting along to question number three, then um, you, do, do you find the, uh, the, the, the more, uh, introspective broad picture of uh, being the leader more interesting than being in the trenches and just doing the work um they're very different jobs uh you know being being in management management is its own kind of career path uh when when folks who have been technical individual co contributors get promoted to being managers just simply because they were good at being a technical in individual contributor um it doesn't always work out so well uh you know whereas in my case that's the direction i'm i'm trying to go you know i'm working mm -hmm. on a, a business degree uh getting close to being done with that um you know so for me i really enjoy the the, the management side of things, uh, you know, building the org as a system, as I was talking about, and, mm -hmm. you know, how do we, how do we build the organization? How do we support the people? Um, there's a lot of people in, in tech and security that are, that are total introverts and, you know, don't want to deal with people, but like, I, I like people. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty outgoing. I, I mean, I, I need alone time to recharge and stuff just like anybody else, but like, I love people. I like building people up. I like developing people and uh, trying to help them and setting people up to do really cool things. And so that's really the side of it that I enjoy doing. Um, and being able to be in this technical leadership role or this business leadership role where I can I can draw on my technical background. That's where I'm really looking forward to it, is having the being able to finally staff and and build out this team that is going to be able to actually do all of this stuff that I want to do to support the business. And, you know, like I, I've got a background that allows me to, to pull together the, the business side of things and understand the technology and how it can support the business. Um, 
but I've been talking with folks uh, like Wolf Gorlick about, you know, the, the, the UX side of IT and security. And that's huge to look at those folks as our internal customers mm -hmm. and how are we going to serve them? How do we make their jobs easier? How do we reduce friction and keep the company safe? You know, like that's that's the really fun problems that that I want to work on. Uh, so, I, I, yeah, I I really find this this challenging and and fun at the top level, and I'm I'm enjoying the compliance stuff more than I ever thought I would, as well. Um, I know that's really 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 strange, and there's probably something wrong with me, but oh, no, no. the the compliance stuff has has been really interesting because you're looking at the risk and how am I going to mitigate this risk. And how do we layer in controls in multiple areas to to make sure that if, if one control doesn't work, we've got a compensating control in place to to help uh, to cover that. And I know there's just there's so much to it. It's it again. It comes down to building that system. It's it's yeah. not just building the company, but it's it building the system within the company, yeah. uh, within the org. And you know, it's it's not all tech. A lot of it's people. A lot of it is is process. Uh, as well in that. And uh, it's all fascinating, completely fascinating to me. I, hey, I, I'm, I'm one of those people that, that I, I can appreciate those sides of things. I, I, yeah. I, I had fun with that a lot more than, than a lot of people would. So, I, yeah, I, I get that. Yeah. Um, okay, so since, uh, since you do find the the leadership and the the building the bigger picture and quite fascinating. Mm -hmm. Jump, jumping back into just the tech side, if if you're just doing that work, what's what, what angle? What what part of it do you enjoy doing more than any of the rest of it? I think if if I were to if I were to walk away you know, tomorrow, laid off, whatever, and have to, to choose whether I was going to look for another leadership role or an individual contributor role kind of thing is, is uh, you know, I think on the individual contributor side, I would jump back into sort of the DevOps side of things. Mm -hmm. um, all of the automation work, uh, you know, partially because, you know, I, I come from a system and background. And again, it's about building systems and, and maintaining systems. Uh, but from the system and background, all of that automation is a great way to support security. All of, you know, everything that you that you need to do to protect the the, the company from like a compliance standpoint um, can be handled through that automation and building mm -hmm. these systems that are 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 lightweight and resilient. Uh, you know, an auto scaling and and that kind of stuff. It's just it's just really cool to to see when you've you've built something with automation. You you know you click the button and and it just it goes off and it does its thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know that's that's really neat. Watching Terraform spin up a bunch of stuff in in Amazon Web Services and uh, you know watching your your containers or whatever come up in whatever orchestration tool you're using and and that kind of stuff and and being able to you know oh I need to change something. Well, I'm just going to put it in code and check in and you make a commit and, and off it goes again. Uh, that, that's all really fun. Uh, really, really fun. Okay. All right. Well, question number five, let's, let, let, let's, let's jump out of professional stuff. Let's jump out of work stuff. Okay. Um, 
you know, I I know a lot of uh, a lot of us that do uh, do some any kind of work in the tech space mm-hmm. tend to more of us than not tend to be uh, indoor people, not outdoor okay. people. But um, one of the pictures that I re- recall uh, seeing that you did uh, post on Twitter at one point was outside, feet up, in front of a fire. Oh yeah. Are you so so? so are you are you more of a outdoorsy person? Uh, yeah, I love love being outside. Um, I, I I live out in the middle of nowhere, and uh, you know, so I got a little bit of land here. So I think uh, the picture that that I posted there was around my fire pit uh, out out in the backyard, and you know, it's a good probably you know fifty sixty yards from the house at least, and uh, you know, we we go out and camp with the kids and stuff out in the backyard. The kids are old enough that this summer we're actually going to take some camping trips away from the house now. Um, mm-hmm. Both kids have actually done multiple nights in the tent all the way through the night uh, without having to go back in the house uh, last year, which was one of the the big test things we had to get to that point uh, before we could start doing some camping. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that. I, I love fishing. Um, just getting out in the water and, uh, you know, I, I don't, you know, I, I just like being out there. You know, I, okay. I, I joke, you know, but there, there've been times where I've thrown a bobber in the water and not even bothered to put a hook on the line. Cause <laughs> honestly, the, the fish just complicate things. Sometimes I just want to <laughs> sit out there and hold the fishing pole and uh, you just enjoy being there and having a, you know, fish take the worm off the hook or have to deal with it. Then you end up smelling like fish and, So sometimes the fish just complicate fishing. And so I I found that not putting a hook on the line can just solve that problem. Uh, God, I love That's the first time I've ever heard that. (laughs) Uh, I love motorcycles. Uh, I ride uh, motorcycles as as much as I can when when the weather's warm. Um, My version of warm might be a little different than than others. I love riding at like the 50 degree range is like Mm -hmm. perfect for motorcycles. It's invigorating. Um, you don't have to layer up too much. I mean, I've got all the base layer that I could all ride down to freezing and below, but I don't ride when there's potentially ice on the roads or actually yeah. the, the all the road salt and stuff around here. I don't want that even dust on my bike. So once once we get into the winter time when that stuff goes down, I, I don't do that any anymore. But uh, yeah, I, you know, anything that gets me outside and I, I get my fill of computers and stuff at, at work all the time. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, photography too. I, you know, I like getting out and doing some photography work and I don't get to do enough of that. That's I, when I was talking about uh, having the, the sort of that, that drive to create again, but not having the mental energy too. In a, a recent tweet, uh, yeah, that's one of the things that I really enjoy doing. And I just, I don't have the mental energy to, to do the photography and all the processing and everything else that goes mm-hmm. along with it. But I'm, I'm dying to get back into that again. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I, another thing that, uh, a, 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 another thing that you've made no bones about is that at times you do enjoy your bourbon. Yeah. What's what, what what's, what, what's the, the good stuff? What, what, what would, constitute the good stuff man um angel's envy is really good i enjoy that one that one's super smooth um the four roses small batch is another one i really enjoy uh, 
High West Campfire. I think I posted a couple of pictures of that one uh, as well. A really nice, deliciously smoky. Uh, man, what else? You know, honestly, just as a good solid uh, bourbon that's not, you know, highfalutin or fancy, uh, Knob Creek is is another one that just, you know, is a good staple to, to have. It's great for, you know, if you want to make a, an old fashioned or a whiskey sour or, you know, whatever else, you don't feel bad about mixing that one. Um, Bullet Rye is another one I really love. Um, oh my God, Basil Hayden's Dark Rye. Uh, I bought one of those the other day. Uh, actually, it was a month or so ago. It was before the holidays. I think it's month, month, month and a half ago now. And uh, I, I've still got a little bit of that one left uh, here, but that one was difficult to stay out of. It, it was just... <laughs> A, a real nice dark kind of a almost almost like a multi kind of flavor with a, a nice sweet finish, but it was super smooth. It, it didn't have the bite that a rye usually had a little bit of spice to it, but it wasn't rough. Like bullet rye, it has a little bit of roughness to it, whereas mm-hmm. this one, oh my god, oh, it was delicious. I really recommend that basil Hayden dark rye if you've, if you've never have it. And they've got a couple different ryes. Um, I haven't tried any of the others, but the the dark one is really good right now okay okay yeah it's i i can uh i i can understand some of those differences i've never uh, i've never necessarily been uh, uh as much a uh, bourbon or whiskey uh, person uh definitely more of a uh, rum person but i remember some of my some of my first adventures into any kind of any kind of liquor was um vodka okay and uh this and um uh, yeah, I uh, had a. Uh, there was a couple of different times I had a bottle of uh, bottles of Stoli pretty mm-hmm. close back to back, and one of the times I just bought the eighty proof, uh, okay. more for the more for the money aspect, and yeah, you know you could you could definitely uh, light that one on fire, that's yeah. for sure. Yep. But then I decided the next time I picked up a bottle of the hundred proof, and man. There, I expected that one to have a bit more of a kick, but no, that was smooth. That was smooth. Yeah. That was easy to down. That was a dangerously easy to down. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, yeah, the differences, the the the, the differences yeah. uh, can be quite interesting between. Yeah. Uh, There's the, another the, one. It's it's not a bourbon or anything, uh, but it is amazing for just sipping by the fire or something like that. Is Grand Marnier, uh, mm-hmm. kind of a sweet? Uh, I think it's a cognac, maybe off the okay. top of my head. But uh, that one is that one's really good straight as well. Maybe just a little little tiny glass of that with a, an ice cube or something in it, possibly. But or just straight. But it, that one's that one's really good if you want to, you know, just sip at something that's that's not a bourbon. Okay. Okay. Hey, maybe, uh, maybe uh, if you end up booking another podcast appearance, uh, going on InfoSec Whiskey, you might be able to have a yeah. little bit more in-depth conversation about those uh, with uh, Ushi than than you'd be able to have with me. Yeah, she's uh, she's asked me if I if I want to jump on one of those too uh, at some point here. So we got to get that set up and scheduled. That'll be fun. All right. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, that. That would definitely be a good one to do. She'll 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 be more knowledgeable about that than I yeah. than I I'll, than I'll ever end up being on it. Okay. Um. So question number seven, then, just completely random. 
What's your favorite breakfast food? Favorite breakfast food. Um, man, I love breakfast. A bacon probably has to be, I'd say my favorite, but you know, I, I eat eggs a lot and I eat oatmeal a lot. And, uh, you know, so uh, it, it's gotta be one of those three things. And I would say probably bacon is going to be the, the best. My, <laughs> we had bacon for dinner the other night. Uh, my, my wife did one of those, uh, uh, grocery store things where you order online and go go pick it up and yeah. she's planning to make salmon that night for dinner and she goes and picks it up and the the gal at the grocery store as she's bringing it out says it was going through the substitution she's like oh yeah they they substituted uh they didn't have the salmon you wanted so they substituted bacon right I that's very strange substitution. We substitute <laughs> bacon for your set, like not not like oh we gave you 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 know trout or catfish or you know some other sort of fish. But we went from salmon to bacon. So basically, my wife's like, well, I we like bacon. Um, we'll eat it. Okay, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll run with it. Um, so we had breakfast for dinner the other night, and you know we we made up two pounds of bacon and. <laughs> oh. Yeah, between her and I and the the two kids, man, we we destroyed two pounds of bacon. Okay, okay. Well, since, since you like bacon that much, uh, I, do, do you add bacon in with with uh, other things too? You know, bacon wrap, jalapeno poppers, bacon wrap. Uh, um, what am I thinking about? Um, scallops. I, I know bacon wrap scallops is uh, apparently a thing. Haven't done that. We we have put them in like potatoes and that kind of stuff uh mashed potatoes but usually when i do bacon it's just like i just want bacon and, straight up you know, bacon. so we just <laughs> yeah what well, my pork damn it right <laughs> okay all right um okay question number eight um your favorite band in high school favorite oh in high school oh, shit. yeah um Band or musical acts, so, solo act. Can this was a time. long time ago, because um, I, I look young. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, in high school, I listened to a lot of country music back then. So, who was my favorite band? My favorite band back then was probably Diamond Rio. Diamond Rio. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I had had a bunch of their albums and uh, listened to them a lot because you know that was back when you actually had to physically own the the disc. Still, yeah, yeah. I, I one of the uh, one of the last CDs that I ever bought, and I and I was so I was so proud of doing this because it was it was the day it came out. <laughs> but I went to the I went to the mall on this day right whenever all the stores were opening and got into the record store and bought the soundtrack to blues brothers 2000. <laughs> nice. It's a good soundtrack, but yeah, I, th I think that's one of the last ones that, that I uh, really truly ever bought on my own. Um, not a hundred percent, not, not, not completely the last one, but, uh, well, one of the last ones I recall the situation at least. Um, but now you're talking about country music. I, I grew up in a town where it only had 
uh, one radio station in the town. So, and you can pick up a few others from surrounding, but that one in the town was a country station. And uh, so I was definitely a diehard Garth Brooks fan. Okay. Yeah. It, he's really good. I wish he was yeah. on more of the streaming services these days. Like he's, he values himself quite a bit and he has not been willing to give in to those streaming services. Oh, do you see, do you remember the, uh, the, the, uh, point in time where he was, uh, doing that Chris Haynes act? Yeah. Oh yes. His rock persona. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, I, I was actually working at a, working at a, uh, the, the local NBC affiliate in master control during that during this, whenever he was doing that and uh, the season that he was on Saturday night live. And that was always my shift to work was on every Saturday night live okay. was one. And so, yeah, I, I remember actually seeing that episode cause he would, he was the host. Garth Brooks was the host, but Chris Haynes was the musical guest. Yep. <laughs> and uh, they, they, they totally, went with it they they tried to sell it as two different people the entire time it was uh it, it was a good episode it was a little it was a little comical a little laughable really trying to sell it as two separate people but it, yeah. it, it worked but yeah that chris haynes experiment died out pretty yeah. fast if i remember correctly yeah he's been touring again i think he has been touring again um i wouldn't i wouldn't mind hearing him in concert actually Oh yeah, yeah. Well, um, lat, well, I say last year. Technically, it's two years ago now. Um, yeah, back in uh, what is well, was it twenty eighteen? He, he he started doing this uh, series of stadium shows. Okay. And um, and uh, one of the first ones he did in the series of stadium shows was uh, was actually aired on TV when he was at um, uh, Notre Dame Stadium. Okay. And it was raining that entire concert, but man, be miserable. Everybody was no the the field was still packed the entire time. Everybody was having a good time. Interestingly enough, though, I saw nobody under the age of thirty uh, see at that concert from what I could see on TV. Yeah, that surprised <laughs> me. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he, he went on. He, he wanted to do, I think, another three or four stadium shows after that. And uh, I, I remember before he started touring again, though, I was um, I had gone on a little bit of a trip trying to trying to force my foot in the door, trying to find a different job after uh, one went south on me, and uh, I was going through the western part of the country and. Uh, had been up in um, had been up in uh, Portland, and was heading was heading uh, back in the opposite direction. Flew into Las Vegas, and I got into Las Vegas, and I saw that Garth Brooks was playing that night because that, that, that was whenever he was uh, he was uh, doing limited shows at the Wynn uh, Casino. And uh, okay. see, and they'd actually the the the, uh, the owner actually sent his personal jet out to Oklahoma and flew Garth into Vegas whenever he would do these shows, and then would fly him right back out to Oklahoma after the weekend was done. Wow! And I remember seeing that. I'm like, 
damn it, I wish I had a little bit of extra money. I'd, right. I'd go to the show tonight. Yeah, I didn't. So. <laughs> Yeah, those guys had, you know, that, that makes my commute look like nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, having, having to fly from Oklahoma to Vegas every week or whatever for for work makes my, uh, you know, 40-minute whatever drive that I do every day look like nothing. Wow. Wow. My, my commute right now is literally 12 minutes. That's pretty good. 12 minutes. And even you talking about a 40 minute commute, they're supposed to be starting to do some construction on this, on this freeway that I always take. Um, they're going to be adding concrete barriers between, uh, between the uh, travel directions and supposed to be going for like 18 months. And, you know, I've, I find myself griping, Hey, for the next 18 months, I'm going to have to lower my speed by 10 miles an hour. Yep. 40 minutes, man, I'm, I'm, I'm a little more appreciative of my commute now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Audio books and podcasts. They're, uh, they're great. That's, that's my time to listen to what I want to listen to and that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I've, I've had commutes like, like that in the past. So I, I totally understand that. Yeah. Okay. So question number nine. Star Wars or Star Trek? Uh, I'm a huge Star Trek fan. Uh, never, well, I wouldn't say huge fan, but like that's that's the one that I've always watched. Uh, my uh, my wife and I have, in preparation for the new Picard show that's uh, be you know coming out here real shortly, uh, we went back and rewatched all seven seasons of The Next Generation, and we're. <laughs> We're in season three of Deep Space Nine right now, catching all up on the the timelines, and uh, so I don't know. I, <laughs> I I may jump into some of the other seasons. I never watched uh, Voyager or Enterprise, uh, some of the other ones, um, so I might jump over to those as well. Um, but I think with TNG and and Deep Space Nine, we'll be at least caught up on the timeline, refreshed enough for the new Picard show to. You will you'll need to actually dip into at least some of the later seasons of Voyager then. Okay. Because one of the characters from Voyager is supposed to be on that Picard show. Oh yes, that's right. Yep. Seven of nine. Yep. So yeah, but I I, I, I uh, never dipped into Voyager or Enterprise uh, until much later after their runs were done. Um they're actually they, they were actually pretty good. Uh, you know, you, you, know, you have to be one of those people that um, that uh, you know o- opens your mind a little bit from uh, you know what the, the the strict way that Star Trek has always been. Mm-hmm. Even you know even for however they changed it, like from the original series to the next generation stuff like that. And there's there's still that that those strict guidelines that have seemed to be there, um, but. Uh, well, you know, if, if if you enjoy Deep Space Nine, then you know, may, yeah. may, may, maybe you got open enough mind to to uh, take in the rest of them. Okay. Yeah, I, well, I'm good at suspending my disbelief on stuff like that. Did you end up watching? Uh, did Did you end up watching uh, Star Trek Discovery at all? Ha. Uh-uh. You haven't watched Star Trek Discovery. Yet. I don't watch a whole lot of TV. Uh, you know, so like these, when we're watching these, uh, these shows, like that's all the TV I, I watch is just 
catching up on these. And like when that Picard show comes out, like I'll, I'll watch that, you know, each week or whenever it is that they end up releasing them. But I'm not, not much for, for TV. There's, there's too many other things that I'm trying to do and work on. And, you know, just that's, so I don't know. It's <laughs> that's time for my wife and I to sit down and kind of unwind right before bed, maybe and watch like an episode here and there. Um, okay. Okay. But not really a, a big TV person in general. You know, I don't, I don't pay for a bunch of the streaming services and stuff. I had, uh, I was using Philo for a while so that I could get A <laughs> and E to watch live PD. And, uh, <laughs> and then I realized like, look, I'm, I'm paying, you know, what is it, you know, $18 a month or whatever the thing was so that I could get one channel and then <laughs> spend six hours a week in front of my TV. Like, what the hell am I doing? Like, <laughs> I don't even want to be in front of my TV. That is not how I want to prioritize my time. Why would I even pay that $18 to enable myself to do it? So I stopped. <laughs> okay, so the, the CBS, CBS app is the only one we have right now just for the, the Star Trek stuff. Okay. Well, so, since you do have the CBS app, uh... Uh, if if you do end up digging into uh, Star Trek Discovery at some point, I, I, I'd I'd love to hear your take on a few things from the show. Yeah. Cool, I'll check it out. Uh, what what which ones should I watch, or what order should I watch the series in? Once DS Nine is done, what um, should I do next? Voyager? Or... I would definitely go to Voyager next. Okay, and then uh, after it, that. Discovery or Enterprise or which one after that do you think? After after that, then you'd be going backwards in the timeline. So Enterprise would be the first one. Okay. That that occurs in the overall timeline, and then Discovery. Um, s- slight spoiler since you haven't seen any of it yet. In the existing seasons, Discovery happens next in the timeline. Okay. But for the new season coming up. Um, they've actually jumped forward into the future way past anything that has ever happened in the Star Trek universe. Okay. So. Okay, good to know. A little glare on the... (laughs) Um, Okay, so... No, question 10. I didn't do this whenever I had... uh, whenever I recorded with uh, Rando the other day, but I'll do this one with you. That's a phobia question. Phobia, okay. Phobias, yes. I am going to pick three random phobias without actually looking up anything about them, just rely on existing knowledge Decide which one that you think would be the best one to have if you had to have one of those three. Which is the best one to have? Yeah, and then, and then after you decide, then I'll uh, I'll go back and fill you in on what all three of them actually are. Okay. So um, let's first go with conotrophobia. And I'm going to type these out so I can remember them here. Tana. Tonitrophobia. T-O-N-I-T-R-O-phobia. Okay. Um, then trypanophobia, which is T-R-Y-P-A-N-O. Okay. And then... 
Pteridophobia, which is P-T-E-R-I-D-O. So which one of these is the best one, the most desirable to have? If you had to have one of those three, which okay. which one do you think would be the best one to have? The cream of the crap, so to speak. There you go. That's a good okay. way to think about it. Um, okay, so that one... I don't know what any of these are, so I'm just going to make up things of. Okay, so tonitrotrophobia, that's the fear of tonics, like tonic water. Um, and you use that in a lot of drinks, so that doesn't sound very good to have. Uh, Trypanoprophobia. Um, hmm. I think that has to do with cooking. And your the the cookware and being afraid of certain types of cookware, and then what was the last one? Tetradophobia. Uh, pteridophobia. Pteridophobia. So that's like pterodactyls, like dinosaurs. So I think that's the best one to have because I like to cook and I like to drink, and we don't have any dinosaurs around here. <laughs> okay. All right, so the big reveal, drum roll. Um, <laughs> tonotrophobia, fear of thunder. Okay. All right. Trypanophobia, you know, whenever I see that, first thing that comes to my mind is like tryptophan. Okay. But trypanophobia is fear of needles or injections. Oh, yeah, I get that problem. Um, and then pteridophobia is fear of ferns. Ferns. Yes. Like the plant. Yes. Interesting. They are kind of <laughs> prehistoric in my mind. So, you know, I was close with dinosaurs on that. But. Huh. Interesting. Well, I think the best one of those would be the fear of ferns then, because okay. ferns aren't likely to surprise you. Unless you get like a little shop of horrors type situation where, where all the plants are alive. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, we hit the end of 10 questions. We made it. Uh, so uh, we'll go ahead and stop right there. Um, do you have anything else you want to add, throw in before we're done? I don't think so. This has been fun. <laughs> same, same. I, I agree. I, I've, I've been enjoying every single one of these. And I think <laughs> I uh, posted it on Twitter yesterday. I said, uh, you know, it's it, it takes it, it takes all I have not to be like, oh, I want to share these all. Right. All at once. It, I caught up yeah. on the first five and I really enjoyed the first five. Yeah, there is, there's been a, there, there's there's been some individually fun times with with everybody. You know, everybody is, uh, you know, everybody's a little bit different of a person. So the conversation goes a little bit differently. Exactly. Every time. Um, but they they've all been they, they've all been really good, really fun. And uh, really enlightening. And plus, you know, hey, I enjoy I enjoy having conversations with people. So, and uh, good good stories to boot. So, yep, exactly. All right. Well, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and call an end of this. And uh, I'll catch you and everybody else on the Tweety Bird later. Cool.